Hey there, and welcome to Unabashed You. We're here to encourage you to become who you already are through inspiring conversations with extraordinary everyday people like you and me. We have courage to show up in our own lives, believing in ourselves more, unapologetic for who we are. Feeling generous? Consider leaving a review, subscribing, and or sharing episodes. It matters. That algorithm is a real thing, and we do this with support from you. Find us at unabashedyou.com for episodes, blogs, social media links, and to be on our email list. When in doubt, type in unabashedyou to find us. And now for the woman who can't wait to know just a little bit more about you, Rochelle Condi now. Your own life experiences really color your perspective. They are a custom-made kaleidoscope to how you see things, the choices you make. During our conversation, Sarah Marsh shared that we view things through our own lens. Everyone has a story. We may assign a particular storyline to them to fill in the gaps based on us, not necessarily them, human nature and all that. Sarah's point is maybe it's better not to, but to see things from their perspective, not our own. Hello, Sarah, and welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. So excited to be here. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Sarah and I met at family camp uh, last summer. Well, yeah, because we're still in summer last summer. And then we saw each other again this summer. So we got to make an even deeper connection. And that that was uh, just so much fun. And it's so great to see you here on this Zoom call. Is there anything you want listeners to know to get started? Um, I'm First of all, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a single mom raising a beautiful, beautiful boy um, that I adopted about six years ago through the foster care system mm-hmm. in Los Angeles County. Wow, beautiful. And we've um, because it's family camp, we've met him and been able to interact with him. And y- yes, you're a wonderful mother and he's a, a very sweet young man. So that's great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Just three. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. For now. Um, For now. (laughs) uh, Passionate. Mm -hmm. Empathetic. And responsible. Oh, very good. If I were, you know, I'm thinking of you as you're saying these words, and and personally, I would have thrown in there generous. I think you're a very, very generous person. The little bit that I know you, you you just come across as very generous. So I, I would have thrown that in there, too. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah, so passionate, empathetic, and responsible, and all those make for really good, strong character and certainly uh, good, good momming. If you've got those good mm-hmm. mothering, if you've got those going on. All right. Teachers and Aliyah, are you familiar with how this works? Oh, yes. Okay. So say the three things and I'll see if I can kind of ferret out the one that's not true. Okay. All right. Um, I was a professional princess when I was younger. I have 
two dogs and a cat. And I survived an earthquake and hurricane last week. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. These are very interesting. So you've got a past profession, your, your pets, and then natural disasters. Yes. <laughs> kind of the way you chose to go. Wow. Okay. Well, I okay. So let me have my thought process. I'll have it out loud. I can totally see okay. you were a professional princess. So I'm going to set that one aside. Okay. The two dogs and a cat. I could see that. But I'm a little, I, I get a kind of a red flag when people start throwing out numbers because, mm. you know, like it could be one dog and two cats or, you know what I mean? That you can start, you you play with the numbers. So I'm going to set that one aside and survived an earthquake and a hurricane. We did have a hurricane go through Southern California, but this earthquake part makes me pause. I certainly didn't hear about anything big. But it, maybe it was a small one, right? Okay, I'm going to go with the two dogs and one cat as the lie. How'd I do? You nailed it. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. How many dogs? How many cats? Um, None. <laughs> oh, that's even better. That's even better. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny because... You know, usually when people throw in numbers, there's a number involved, but they've either increased it or decreased it. And that's what makes it tricky. Okay, no pets. Okay, I got to go right to the natural disasters here. Oh, yeah. We did have a hurricane sweep through Southern California. Okay, but what about the earthquake? Yeah, Rochelle, I had everything set up for this hurricane because we don't get hurricanes in Los Angeles. So it was like this crazy, you know, like run to the store, get your waters, get all your stuff was all prepped, had my flashlights full of batteries. (laughs) And I'm sitting there like ready for it to come. And the ground starts shaking. And I was like, what is happening? Like I just wasn't in the right mindset whatsoever. And I ran, I ran under the kitchen table Oh and I'm like, gosh. what is going on? Like, <laughs> but Whoa. it was, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a big one, but I definitely felt it. It was like those slow rolling kind. And I oh was Oh my not- gosh. <laughs> well, you felt it and you felt yeah. it to the point of seeking cover, which means <laughs> that it was big enough. It was not like one of those, like, oh, what was that? You know, it wasn't like one of those where you don't even know what it was mm-hmm. or that you didn't even register at all. Oh, it says we had an earthquake. Well, I never felt it, you know. Right, right. You, you took cover. Oh, my gosh. While you were waiting for the hurricane. Okay, that's so crazy. Surreal. Very that surreal. That is crazy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, thankfully, you're okay. And how was the hurricane for you? For us, it was, it was you know, a lot of prep, but then it wasn't any big deal. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we had a lot of rain, but it wasn't anything that was um, reported. It wasn't to the extreme. But, you know, I think it's so much better that way than the other way of not Mm -hmm. being prepared and, 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 and not really knowing. And then all of a sudden you're hit with it. That's really when you know, there's, uh, you know, a lot of injuries and, and unfortunately deaths and all those damage and all those sorts of things. So I think they did a really good job preparing us in that way. Um, 
Yeah. So I'm grateful, even though it didn't end up being much of anything. That's okay. Totally. All right. Okay. And you were a professional princess. Tell us about that. Is that like when the princess parties were really big? Yes. Oh, yes. So when the, yes, back when, I mean, I would say probably 10, 12 years ago, um, when all, you know, all the little girls wanted wanted parties so you do the whole the whole gig right you get the costumes and the wigs and um sing and dance and they think a real princess showed up to their birthday party and it's so much fun oh my gosh and so you would sing and dance also oh yeah yeah the whole thing gosh would you include them in this or is it a, a like I perform and now I want you to sing with me I mean how did that go Oh, I was very interactive with the kids. Um, okay. Yeah, it wasn't fun. a show. It was okay. it was very much with them involved. Oh my gosh, and- that is so fun. And who, which princess were, were you sort of a generic princess or were you a, a particular princess? You know, the funny thing is, is that I think there was like a, a Tinkerbell movie that must have come out <laughs> yeah. like uh, back when I was doing this because a lot of little girls were asking for Tinkerbell. So I did Tinkerbell quite a bit, but also Snow White, Cinderella, um, Sleeping Beauty. Oh my gosh. A couple of times. You did them all. Yeah. Yeah. It was before Frozen. So I never did Elsa. Um, But you did. I stopped before then. Yeah. (laughs) You could have. You could have. Oh, that's so fun. That's a fun way to kind of get to know you there with, you know, I mean, that's, that's the reason I like that. It's, you know, we call it a game, but it's not really so much a game as sort of an icebreaker, so to speak. All right, Sarah, one of your favorite movies of all time. That's so hard because there's so many genres of movies. I know, I know, I know. And I like a good movie. I re- you know, we've talked about that before. Yes. Um, I really, yes, I, but I'm going to have to go with Pride and Prejudice. Okay. I think Jane Austen is brilliant in understanding the human condition. Uh-huh. And it's just really fun to watch her work. Okay. So you appreciate her as an author and it's, you know, she kind of captures real life and, mm-hmm. and okay. And then you yeah. find it's fun. It's fun for you. Yeah. It doesn't yes. get too crazy or wild, right? It just it's it's fairly tame as these things go. Yes, but the the very subtleties and the behaviors are really fun to watch how yes. she she grasps that really well. Right. Okay. And what is there a certain version you like? Because of course there have been so many. There have been so many. I mean, I like the the most recent one with Kira Knightley and um McFadden. the cinematography is really, really beautiful and it makes it a little bit more fun to watch. So I would have to say the most recent one. Okay, cool. I like that. Very nice. All right. And now a person that inspires you says we get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. My kid, you know, Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, I watch him and he's just the bravest, most courageous, kind funny i mean you just children from the the system um have a depth to them that other children don't have and mm-hmm. to be able to watch and um they're survivors and they i mean my kid teaches me so much every single day 
right. constant inspiration. Okay. Now, how old was he when you, when you, uh, he first came into your home? Um, I picked him up from the hospital at 10 days. Oh my goodness. So really your mom, I mean, there's not even like a ring. It's not like he was five or two or three. I mean, he, his remembrance is you in terms of all of that. Yep. I'm the only home he's ever had. So um, gosh, that's, and you know what, there's something so beautiful and commendable about choosing uh, motherhood in that way. Uh, especially somebody who, you know, there, there is need out there and that you would sort of rise to rise that. To yeah. You would rise to that and go for it and do it. It was the, you know, the best and worst experience of my life. Right. So the, <laughs> the highs, the lows, like the highest were the highest and the lowest were the lowest. And um, I, I learned so much and still do. I mean, that's why I say that, He's the one that inspires me so much because he, he pushes me to the, <laughs> pushes me to the max. And I, um, I continue to grow. There's no. Is that when me. it's the worst, when you say he pushes you to the max? Yeah. Yeah. When um, I think, I think parenting is, is difficult for anyone, but I think that parenting a child that has come from a place that you don't know anything about is um, right. really challenging. You don't have anything to look back at. Right. Yeah. You don't really know what came before. I mean, they typically tell you what they can tell you, but even as much as they can tell you, it's not a full whole picture. It just, it exactly. just, can't, it just can't be. Well, that is really a great way to look at it. The best and worst experience of your life. <laughs> and I love that he inspires you. That's so sweet. And you like you say, you're, you're constantly, you know, learning from him and marveling at, you know, who he's becoming. Absolutely. He definitely is the type of kid that stops and smells the flowers, you know, and I'll, I'll be like, I've never even seen that flower before. I've passed it, you know, a thousand <laughs> times and you're wanting to stop and smell, you know, and I'm constantly just amazed seeing things through his perspective. Oh, yes. Gosh, that's, that's really makes me pause and really think about that. Yes, that is a really good way of looking at it. And I think you're, you're also saying that he's, he's so in the present, Mm. you know, and that, that really helps kind of, I'm always like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And then I've got, then what's that next thing, you know, and then the next thing after that, what's that? I mean, you know, to, to, to stop and just go, okay, where am I right now? What, What do I see around me right now? I mean, that's, think we all need to do that more. And I, I just love that he's there doing it already and can sort of in his own way, just by being himself, remind you without even having to say, mommy, stop and smell these flowers. He's just like, you know, he just does it. Yep. Yep. I know. Catches me every time. That's so great. A piece of wisdom you keep handy. I really love the author C.S. Lewis. And this is a little bit connected to what we've already been talking about, but one of the um, one of his quotes that I repeat to myself um, continually is hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. Okay. We're going to have to hear that one again. (laughs) Hardships often prepare prepare ordinary people Mm -hmm. 
for an extraordinary destiny. Right. So I, I, I really, I feel like I was just kind of going around, going along, doing my ordinary stuff. And then, um, this, this hardship of foster care, um, fell in my lap and I now have this extraordinary destiny. I told, um, I told him the other day, I was like, I I get to meet with Rochelle and do a podcast. He's like, mommy, you're going to be famous. And I looked at him and I said, (laughs) I said, no, sweetheart, you made me famous. You're the reason I'm famous. Not being on a podcast doesn't make me famous. Oh, how sweet is that? Yeah. I mean, he's just, yeah, he's extraordinary. And you are, you are living that. Because, yeah, let's let's face it, no matter what kind of kid, whether you birth them or adopt them, they it, you, like you were saying, there's a lot of challenge there. There's stress there. There's frustration. It's not all, you know, Kodak moments and all of that. Right. <laughs> right. No. I mean, there's some really hard, <laughs> hard stuff. I really like I don't know that I have heard this particular quote of his before. But I obviously there's a lot of wisdom in it. And I think built into it is the message of patience. Mm. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of what I see as I'm reading this, like, hmm, gosh, you you're going to have to have patience because if you're in a hardship. Right. 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 And I didn't pick that as one of my three words to describe myself. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. I mean, I'm just kind of gleaning that right now from looking at it. And of course. I think there's hope in this in this as well, because, you know, I sort of feel like patience and hope go together because it would be impossible for me to be patient if I didn't think there was if there wasn't hope involved. Right. I would just I would just be like, oh, I mean, I I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't hear of it. I would just be all whatever emotion thoughts that probably aren't that great or whatever. I would just feel like I can be patient because I have hope. I have hope that this is going to turn out for good somehow, some way in my patience, I can be hopeful. I love that. No, yeah, I love that. Uh (laughs) Yeah, no, that's good. That's why this is a conversation and and not an interview. Although obviously I'm asking you questions and you're answering them. All right. Well, that's just incredible. You have already made my day. I just love this. This is fantastic, Sarah. Thank you so much. All right. Now it's time for us to take the deep dive. And this is your passion, the thing that you're typically sharing on social media if you're on that or it's the thing that really you know you get excited about and get you going and all of that or we can talk about a pivot which is a big change of direction how you managed and what you learned from it it could end up being a little of both it's it's kind of of, kind of just see how our conversation goes and and where we end up where we end up do you have something that you in particular, want to start um, chatting about? Yeah. So, you know, like the the last several years, I've just been really, really, it's just kind of hit me in my gut about making sure that everyone I interact with has a voice. Um, I feel like we, we, as people view others through our own lens and once you experience different things, you see people through a different lens. So 
for example, once I started foster care and started understanding trauma, I assign different storylines to different people um, and don't don't imagine, you know, um, people in the same way that I did before. I start to realize, wow, okay, so I can't just say that you are going through the same things that I went through. And I can't just say that things are going well for someone just because they have a smile on their face. And I really want to see people have a voice and be able to share what it is that's really going on in their lives and not just get assigned a story because of maybe what someone thinks through their own lens. Does that make sense? It does. Wow. That is, wow. That is a really good way of, of really offering grace. That's kind of what you're talking about there is you're talking about a boatload boatload of grace, right? Because it would be so easy to draw conclusions and make assumptions in interactions, Mm -hmm. especially if they're not going the way that suits us, one or two, that, uh, you know, maybe expect, you know, decent, I sort of like expect human decency, like, come on, human decency, can we be decent people? And it doesn't always go that way. And so I like this, when you say you assign a story, does that Mm -hmm. mean, because obviously you don't know their full story. What, what is that process? Okay. Let's say you have an encounter with somebody and you're like, for whatever reason, you're, you're struck with this now. Okay. What, what is the story that gets assigned to them? Yeah. So, okay. So some of the things that have been kind of going around in my mind lately are, I come from a faith-based, um, perspective as far as uh, growing up in the church and a lot of the stories of the um, kind of the the heroic um, women that I was able to look up to were given in such a way that fit the narrative that I understood. Um, and now that I understand trauma and understand um, different aspects of life, I look at these stories so differently. So, for example... Uh-huh. Um, like Esther, for example, like on the little flannel graphs of um, Queen <laughs> Esther, it was very much a, um, oh, the, a rags to riches story. Um, and that's kind of what I was taught in Sunday school was this, you know, this little orphan and she got to be queen and it was amazing. But now <laughs> that I've, you know, like that was the story that was assigned to her from the the different people that saw her in that way. But as I've gotten older and worked with children and um, worked with kids from really tough places, I see this story now in a very different way. And whether you, you know, see it as, you know, the inspired word of God or whether you see it as a history book, um, I look through it now and I'm like, this, this little girl was orphaned and taken in by an uncle, which makes it kinship care, basically. It was kinship mm-hmm. foster care. Um, and then it wasn't a rags to riches story. This little girl was sex trafficked into a, you know, a situation where she was dragged into and held captive, um, which is a very different narrative than what I would have was originally told. But at the same time, I don't think I would have ever seen it in that way if I hadn't 
seen the, the trauma of these kinds of things. I have never even thought of that story in that way. Wow. Well, I haven't either. I, I honestly, I haven't either, but I'm starting to like, oh, this little girl, like she, she was an orphan and she was taken off the streets to be enslaved by this man that was, you know, double, triple her age. That's modern day sex trafficking. Um, mm-hmm. Not, not a rags to riches story. Um, and I want, and I want to be very intentional in how I treat people in everyday life, because I can immediately look at someone and be like, oh, wow, they have such a cute little family and a cute little home. Everything must be wonderful. And uh, assign that narrative and how I interact with them. But in reality, people probably see me that way as well, not realizing that we have a lot of hardships. And um, I want to see people in that way. I want to see people for who they really are. Um, and uh, allow them to have a voice, allow them to tell their own story instead of me making up one based on what I think of them. Okay, so you're you are allowing them the uh, um, the the space to tell their own story without exactly. kind of drawing any conclusions or assumptions based on kind of surface sort of stuff. How right. how do you? I guess in a way, do you, I, I'm imagining how you do that as some self-talk in the situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I kind of put myself in their shoes. Like if, if Esther wrote the book of Esther, <laughs> how would she have, how would she have written it out? Right. Like she didn't write her own book. So the perspective wasn't from her narrative, but if she had written the book, like what, I'm sure it would have been a much different story. Um, so I guess when I'm I'm looking at others, um, it does. You're right. It adds a lot of compassion to where they've been and what they're. Uh, we live in a society today where um, there's a lot of persecution on a lot of different people for the decisions that they make, and um, I don't think that necessarily if we gave them the voice to share what was really mm-hmm. going on, I don't think that there would be that much of a. Um, as much conflict as there is, um, there would still be conflict. But if we gave someone a chance to really speak up for themselves and didn't just assign them a label. Right. Right. It's assigning the label. Yeah. Right. Do you, now, I'm just going to hop back over to Esther because I yeah. had never looked at it through that possibility. Do you think given the culture that they were in that this was actually that that she might have found it to be an honor on some level to have been chosen because of her her beauty and then um, pampered and spawed and all of that for mm-hmm. so long before she was presented. I mean, I I'm I'm wondering, like we don't know her mindset, but I'm sort of wondering mm-hmm. if it's possible that she took like, wow, I can't believe I get to have this privilege. And, well, and I'm not a theologian by any, by any, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> when I read the story now, I look at it from a different, but I mean, there's definitely a possibility, but I feel like how frightening it would be to be taken away from everything she knows. Um, but I'm looking at it from a foster care mindset, right? So I'm looking <laughs> yes. at it from this, this different lens of, you know, she's, she's taken away from everything she knows 
and kind of forced into this lifestyle that she didn't pick. Um, and it absolutely could, she could have seen it as an honor, uh, completely. Um, but I also wonder how scary that was to not have a, a choice in what she was doing. Yes. And, um, yeah, I, uh, had, yeah, there's a, there's several, yes. uh, like that, there's, um, there's a story of Tabitha in the new, in the new Testament and she, we don't know a lot about her, but we know that she um, helped all the widows and um, she got really sick and the widows all prayed that she get better, but she died and they called upon um, someone, uh, Peter, to come and he like raised her from the dead. And um, I look at the story and I'm like, what would, what would Tabitha say about that story? Um, Cause the widows obviously were so excited that she was raised from the dead and she's alive again. But I think about Tabitha and I'm like, Tabitha might've been a single mom herself. She might've been widowed. How, how tired was she? Like, did she, did she want to, you know, like, yeah, did she want to come she, back? Is that what you said? Did she want to come back to help? Yeah. Did she want to come back and help everybody again? Or was she like, finally at rest in peace. We don't know because we don't know her side of the story, but so I try funny. to look at things um, in a different way. So I kind of want to give like in these, in these instances, I want to give Esther her voice. I want to give Tabitha her voice. I want to give my child his voice. Yes. He's from foster care. Yes. He's adopted, but that's not who he is. Right. And I want oh, to give yeah. him, yeah. him his own voice. Right. Um and for myself and anyone else that I interact with. Oh, absolutely. And it sounds like because you've really spent some time thinking about this, that you are operating on a very intentional level level of, you know, any kind of interaction with anybody you're being, you're being um, very mindful of, of who they are, where they've come from how they got there, what they might want to share or not share and respectful. It sounds like you're also being very respectful of, of every person's story. I I want to be, I want to be, I am. Yeah. I think everybody has a story and they want it to be told accurately. They want to be represented um, for who they really are, not from another author's point of view. Oh, right. That's very good. That's, oh, I like that. Not from a, right. But I wonder too, how many people really have that opportunity? That's, that's I, I'm not enough. I, not enough. I would say. Not enough. That's what I'm passionate about empowering. Um, I work with a lot of parents that their kids have special needs and they just, they're afraid because they're afraid of a diagnosis. They're afraid of what the doctors might say. They're afraid of forgetting that they're the ones that actually know their kids and that their kids aren't changing because of that diagnosis. They're not changing because of what the schools might tell them or what um, a therapist might say, like their kid is still their kid and they get so afraid. And I want to encourage them to say like, no, 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 this is my, this is my story. And that this is okay to have these, um, 
that, you know, a, a diagnosis of ADHD, a diagnosis of autism, a diagnosis of anything doesn't change who their kid is. Their kid still has their story and it's a beautiful story. And the, your family still has a beautiful story. Um, no matter what other people might assign to that. Oh, I think that is really fabulous. And I, 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 I can see that parents are, would be very afraid of, of hearing kind of the official, the official Mm -hmm. word. I think for parents, it has to be a a total mindset shift. Mm -hmm. I think exactly what you're talking about that, uh, you know, in my mind, it's, it's just information. It's information. And I think some of the fear for parents is that that's going to follow them all through school. And then that could end up being a thing, you know, where, oh, oh, you know, there's like those people draw their own conclusions based on that information. And I would say that as a teacher, you know, I used to, I was a classroom teacher for years. I intentionally didn't look and I don't know if this is good, bad, or indifferent, but it's what I did. I didn't look in anybody's files or anything or ask anybody, how 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 is this class? How are these kids? It was just like, no, I want to find out for myself. And then as I came across, huh, you know, challenges or feeling like, oh, I think I need some more information here, then I then I might go seek information. To, to mm-hmm. just to help me, but I, I didn't want to come with preconceived ideas. Yes, exactly. You're letting the, the kids be themselves. Yeah. Well, all those parents that you're working with have such a great advocate in you. I, I feel like you can really do a lot of good. I mean, one, you've done it yourself. You're doing it yourself. You you can you can actually speak to this firsthand because you know you've been there. You are there. And that there's something about that when we're listening to somebody that's had a like experience, you feel like, oh, okay. Because you you're like, well, they they know what they're talking about. Or I at least by hearing their story, I can see what might be similar in my story to kind of lean into or learn from. And I think that that is really important. And I think that that's why we talk a lot about passion on this show because of that, because I I feel like you need to be fully who you are. You need to do the thing that you're here to do because Mm -hmm. we all benefit. Yes. Yes. But, and we, we, um, if we don't get the real you, then we all suffer. Yes. Yes. So I love the way you, the way you phrase that because yes. yeah, we want to know who the real person is and not yes. be afraid. Yeah. And not be afraid. And that's kind of where confidence comes in. And and sometimes that's a word that people are like, confidence, confidence. And, you know, the root word of confidence is fidere in Latin. That means to trust. So if you're mm. confident, you're trusting yourself, not to be perfect or anything, but just like, hey, this is me. I, I trust that I, you know, this is who I am. And if you like it, great. If you don't, that's okay too. I'm going to keep, I'm not, it's not going to change me what you yes. think that is not going to have impact. And I think we just need to do so much more of that. I love that. Yes. All yes. of that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Is there anything else you want to say as we conclude here? Anything you feel like, oh, we didn't get to talk about this or that, or I want to mention this or that. 
Yeah, no, I just, I love what you're doing because this is, I feel like you're allowing people to tell their story. You're letting people have a voice um, by giving them an opportunity just to talk and um, no one's going to think, um, oh, wow, I didn't know this about so-and-so. And so I don't know what they're thinking and assign that ideal, right? You're letting people share their stories. Absolutely. And I think that's so, so beautiful and so important because everyone has a story to tell. Yes. And everyone has multiple, multiple chapters to share, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I could have you on tomorrow. We could go a completely different way and have a completely different conversation. And it, and it's all important. It all matters because it's, it's exactly what we're talking about. Um, uh, helping and supporting and encouraging people to be fully who they are and then to, um, to show up that way. Yeah. And to feel good about that. Yes. Well, thank you, Sarah, yeah. for this time. What a pleasure it's been. I knew it would be. I knew it would just be fantastic. You <laughs> I've been looking are, forward to it. Yeah, me too. You are fantastic. I appreciate you so much. And we will be in touch soon. Thank you. This is especially true when it comes to her son. She calls parenting the best and worst experience of her life. And anyone who has children gets the truth of the high highs and the low lows. Throughout their lives together, Sarah's son inspires her to be in the present moment because that's where he is. Through being a brave, kind, and funny kid from the system, she sees he's a survivor and she is all too happy to give him the best start to life possible. And now a closing prayer. God, we know we see things from our view. Help us to widen that by seeing more of another. And in doing so, may we come alongside in understanding, enjoying the good and enduring well the hard parts for both make us better. Amen. All right. Keep becoming who you already are. Be unabashed. Be you.